action-packed weekend here on Scoreline. This is Scoreline Extra and I'm Shane O'Keefe. We've had just an unfathomable busy weekend filled with interviews and live matches. You can go and listen back to all the live games on Big Game Live on scoreline.ie, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you do your podcast listening. We're going to bring you some of the interviews from the weekend. On this episode, you'll hear from Goran Park Race Manager and host of the Clash Act podcast here at KCLR, Mr. Eddie Scally, about Goran Park unfortunately having to cancel Wednesday's race meet, but looking ahead to the future. Park Almond joins us ahead of him going out onto that field at Wembley, Newport County versus Morecambe in the League 2 playoff final. Kevin Hennessy chats to us about the champions on race that was in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium. We have a winner, ladies and gentlemen. Post-match audio as well from Kilkenny Camogie's victory over Offaly in Burr. Brian Dowlin and Pat O'Neill joins us from Kilkenny Camogie. Niall Carew also speaks after Carlo defeated Wexford in the football dramatic last gasp win and he has some choice words about referees. First off though, here's the post-match from Brian Cody followed by Davy Fitz after Kilkenny defeated Wexford. something we can never be accused of really is not having a good attitude all through any match to be honest about it you know and um, that's something that the lads do diligently and, and, and uh, place huge importance on it. And to be honest I don't look at it like that at all like you know because I mean everybody anyone ever played hurling like you uh, the, the kind of philosophy would be that you'd always try to give the ball to the man in the best position and that fella could be it could be a hand pass of five yards or it could be a 60 yard pass as well you know so you do what you do what you do and obviously they've had this talk, huge talk and emphasis being put on, on, on these those kind of things now. But I don't see it as anything major to be honest with it. Game is put in front of us, you have to train and, and, and play it. Yeah, look, obviously, I mean, it's, this is league and, and, and championship is, is what everybody is thinking about and talking about. And probably in about five weeks' time, I mean, they have to play a leash and I certainly won't disrespect either of the teams are saying who's going to win the match. But we, 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 we have a straight run to the Lancer semi-final. So we'll play our two league matches and we'll, we'll prepare for the championship. You must be in a good, happy, very happy place now. Three wins, three decent performances. You're very welcome back. There, there, why you're here at all, to be honest about it. But, um, <laughs> could you repeat you, the question, you, please, you again? Miss, there, miss. you look shocked. <laughs> <laughs> Having three wins, three three performances and three wins. Like, well, you always want to win the match, yeah. you know, as simple as that. Like, I mean, nobody ever goes out to lose a game, I presume. So, you know, we wanted to win every match we played so far. And um, maybe we weren't expected to win today, I don't know. But um, we're happy to win it. Like, there's, there's, that's good momentum. Like, three victories is always good momentum. Momentum, momentum is looking towards there may not be a, a league final. I know it matters, obviously. I know. I mean, it's important. I mean, you, you need to build 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 the kind of uh, the momentum you're talking about, and winning is is always good and it's always important. Well, I guess uh, typical of the days we live in, it was a disrupted build-up um, with Wexford and COVID. Just what do you make now with the government announcement with kind of very, well, I suppose, very limited crowds to return? I suppose. To be honest, I'm not qualified to, to um, comment on government at all, like, yeah, because um, I just have to try and see what we can do with our team here. So, look, again, obviously everybody would love to be able to uh, see, see everything back to normal again, but things aren't normal, so I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't have any kind of suggestions or, or statements to make that's going to put pressure on the people who are looking after all of that. Is it is it still very different, I guess, preparing a team when, with all the restrictions the way they are, particularly the build-up to this? We're used to it. That's the reality is we're used to it, you know. I mean, last year's championship was, was like this and this year's one is like this and you get on with it and that's it and fellas love to play hurling and, and fellas love to train for hurling and that's what's happening. Brian, you're, obviously you're very happy with the performance of TJ, but the younger lads, you often talk about, they're taking their chances. 
Oh, yeah, well, I mean, I think they have done, you know, as well, you know, and, and whatever age they are, they're, they're, I'm always saying we have a very, 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 very decent panel, a great confidence in the panel we have, and that's as it is. Great. Song, lads. Flat is putting a mighty when you're down 14 points at half time, it isn't a nice place to be inside there, so it isn't, especially when you're playing Kilkenny at home. Um, well, I'm extremely proud of the lads. Um, they fought hard. Like I think we won the second half by four. Missed the goal we probably should have got, and a few bad wides. So we held our own in the second half, and then we're probably a bit more set up the way we should be. Um, first half, I will be disappointed in the two goals we give up, but that's the name of the that's the name of the game. Hopefully, we'll uh, get a bit of time to rectify that. But I thought Kilkenny were awesome today. They moved the ball like. It's a completely different style of hurling for Kilkenny if you watch now compared to what they would have played 10 years ago. Now they're using it short, using it long and to me hurling is great that you can do every sort of skill and they've certainly come a long way and fair play to them and um, it'll, be, it'll be a very interesting summer and trust me Kilkenny will be right up there. I, I definitely think they're, um, they're, they've definitely um, got the grips of it way more and I, I think it's important to you with the way the game has gone you have to adapt all the time. That's just the way things happen in life even. Um, things prop up and you got to adapt to it and they did so um they're doing okay they did okay today and you know from where i was standing so um but you know what we've five or six more weeks and we have the first round of the championship and we want to know what the story is as, as we get to june or july i don't know i thought we did okay in the first 10 i think it was when the first goal went in really we lost our shape and lost what we we're about and that really doesn't happen as and like I um I wanted to try out a few things today as well. Um I tried out a few different things and um I got to see how well they worked or how well they didn't work. So um that's no harm either, you know. Dave you, you you didn't start Kevin Foley who's normally the the man in the sweeping role. Yeah. Does, does that show that it's it's a tricky role to put someone in like Lee Moog starting off, you know, wouldn't be used to it? Yeah, well I it's always important that you have a backup or you have one or two things ready. So we've got to, just in case something happened, Kevin, or we've got to give one or two lads, and I might try someone again now because like, Kevin is that role. That's his role for us. Um, but also I try my best not to make sure I don't play five full games for everyone. I, with injury and that, you can see what David done, like he wasn't on the field five minutes and hamstring gone. Um, and we barely trained in two weeks, like so I don't know why that happened. Um, but it, it is important for me to have back up in as many places as I possibly can um, and they need a bit of game time and certainly when you come here you're going to get a massive challenge and you'll know exactly where you stand with every player which is great but I'm listen when you're getting well beaten at half time the easy thing to do is you can throw up the high flag the Wexford guys will never throw up the high flag they won't throw it up and I can tell you that how tough has the build up been because clearly like Covid's kind of thrown a spanner in so many different aspects so like the, the last week or two must have been tough for the squad and I guess I know there's been plenty said between you know Wexford and Clare over the circumstances so kind of what's your own take on the last couple of weeks <laughs> <laughs> so my, my story in that is listen um, as we've said in Wexford the HSC do their job we do ours um, we've no excuses here in Wexford right? we, we went out and we played today and you know what, guys? It's important we stick to hurling and not side issues. That's all I'll say to you. And that's all I'm interested in. The Wexford lads are. That's all we're interested in. Nothing else. So, at the end of the day, we're here to play hurling. We got well beaten today, and we take our beating gracefully. Like we know the better team won with no excuses. So that's the way it is. And 
any other side shows we've we've no interest we'll just do the hurling side of things and let other professionals do what they're good at doing Davy, sorry Davy, you said you coped very well in the second half is that because maybe you might have had your stronger team out in the second half no, no, we like. I'd like to think Adrian, like Kilkenny, that any guy that puts on a, a Wexford jersey or Kilkenny jersey is quite capable of playing. So that's I don't buy that at all whatsoever. Maybe just Kilkenny took their foot off the gas, maybe a small bit in the second half. I don't know, but um, they were really good today. But um, I think our attitude is a bit better, and we had a chat about one thing that was concerning, one or two things that was concerning us tactically at halftime. And I think we did a bit better on that side of things. All right, we got the grips at one thing that there was a hole someplace, and we got it. And uh, I think that was very important. David, you were very strong last year again on the games needing to return, that they could return safely. Just what do you make of the the return of crowds and how the government is structuring it? And you know, obviously, there's a lot of optimism to see certain matches piloted. But I guess what what do you think about the limited numbers that are going to I be? Just, I just want to see a few people getting to see a few games. Like, like as far as I'm aware, there's very little um, transmission when you're out in the open. We have massive stadiums. If we can do it smartly, like so, I, I was looking at the news last night and I seen I think it was a, a Longford match a supporter and how much it meant to him to just go out to the game and see it. There's so many people just want to come and sit down there and like this place is well capable of taking maybe twenty thousand plus. Like, surely we can be smart and get people out. And I'm not saying we're going to be right back, but I I, I really think there's a case for just that in these type of grounds we can definitely get people into them and, and just be smart and let them get we need the supporters in the game like there's it's great for us to play but we need the supporters in the game 110 percent of course the two managers there from the Kilkenny versus Wexford game Brian Cody and Davy Fitz we're going to switch our attention now to football with Carlo manager Niall Carew Uh, Niall, congratulations. I think the word character should be uh, said here because that was a great show of character by Carly. You probably went over a bit in the second quarter, but uh, you got back into it well. And I, I think, to a man, everybody g- gave their part out there tonight for you. Yeah, you're 100%, Brendan. We went totally out in the second quarter. And I, I think a few decision making uh, decisions by going for our own shot and not popping it at the right time cost us. Uh, there was three of them. Um, and then we gave the ball away cheaply as well. Um, but the one thing about this group and you've seen it yourself last year against Offaly and Sligo uh, they never go out of the game if they're four or five six points down they'll keep hanging in um, that, that's we didn't build that character that character's in them players um, I don't think you can coach that that's something you either have or you don't and these boys have it in abundance and to prove today I mean when you're without Dara O'Brien who is always your first name in the sheet he does an awful lot of work that people don't see he's really intelligent footballer Ross Dunphy Conor Crowley who, who scored 1-2 last week Ross Dunphy who was for me one of the best players in the country and um, for that uh, to be without them three players and your inside full back line Mark Fury and Conor Lawler so we're out five starters that played against Waterford and we were always going to be a small bit disjointed I thought it would happen in the first 20 would it actually happen in the second 20 um, so for that I, I, I'm you know, i thrilled to get a win it's very important to get two wins in a row uh, for momentum for two weeks time um, I think Sean Gannon who will tell you himself wasn't the, his best day at the office um, but I wouldn't take him off because um, 
not that I knew he was going to get the goal <laughs> but I just know his, his unbelievable leadership skills and that proved there today he went inside and flicked the ball into the net and he drove us on when we were four or five points down and like you have to remember we were two players down for ten minutes there um, which you're, is yeah you're three black yards yeah. you, were, you, were, you were 30 minutes without players yeah look and I, I have to say it was we, we didn't play that well uh, but we hung in there and we worked very hard um, but I have to say the, the referee gave um, decisions against us today that I, I, I just was baffled about and it's fine when you win Brendan but if you lose um, and the, the effort these boys are putting in in any county doesn't have to be Carlow can be any county I just think that we have to look at that because decisions went against us two black cards at top were never black cards the goal that we got um, he said it was a throw ball and it was a clear strike of a hand pass um, and, and we won the game but we won it against the odds um, and I, I just would be I, I'd be hoping that uh, we need to improve but like officials need to improve as well and uh, that's the way it is and you might get in trouble saying it but uh, it's very frustrating on the sideline to have big calls like that going against you uh, because we're trying our best there we're a small county uh, we're, we're doing everything by the book um, and then when you come on then you can have big decisions going against you but look forget about that it's all about Carlo and uh, our boys um, they're a credit to work with um, and they're really responding to what we're looking for and I just hope that we can build on it in two weeks time and get that promotion It looks like it's got loud when Mickey Hart was here with Tyrone two years ago maybe three now but uh, he got out here by the skin of his teeth but uh, he won't be looking forward to coming down here but you've this team moving while you've mentioned that there the panel you had to bring in players today I said to Willie in commentary I wonder what does Niall do here he probably knows he's in a semi-final his lads chomping at the bit will he make changes in fairness you made changes and it worked no and it did because when you win the work and like I took Jordan Morrissey off um, and he had a good game but I took him off it wasn't because uh, I just felt he was fatiguing a bit and I was afraid he might just twinge a hamstring that had put him out for two weeks time he's only back after uh, he was just sick there so he, he's back now and delighted to get that much game time into him I thought Cormac Mullins uh, did everything by the book he tried fierce hard um, you know he, he did what he was supposed to do he would be disappointed he didn't get a score but he set up one or two and got fouled um, who else that came in in the full back line I thought Jordan Lowry was excellent uh, thought he had a really good solid and Roberts game. was solid in the right throat as well yeah oh, Liam, well, Liam is probably yeah. uh, and Josh Moore at left half back yeah Josh yeah, and your man got a run and Josh uh, Tom Byrne in the first half and got two scores but Josh then closed him down uh, so look oh, overall um, we were disappointed with a few basic skills that let us down uh, but I think that was because we were a little bit disjointed with five new lads coming in um, so next week now we uh, were two weeks time we'll be playing either loud or Sligo the winners of that will, will play us and it's here so um, yeah look I, I think no matter who we play out here uh, they won't fancy it Well you're in you're home now because you've won the two matches but the, the, the display in Waterford was excellent and on the night coming out of Waterford I said it to Willie in comments I didn't, didn't think Waterford were that bad and I wasn't overly surprised to beat Wexford last week now going out here tonight you've won you're delighted but the draw possibly would have done Wexford I'm being told now so they must be heartbroken but we, we've come with Carlo to different counties I said in commentary and you come home and the character's not there to go on and train win a match you come back from a number of points down under pressure with 13 men on the field to win that so the character of this team has been fantastic tonight yeah and like and it's validated like you know that's how you I, I remember Kildare winning the game in 97 against Leash with 13 players and it just propelled them from there on and I'd be hoping this is what this does to this group here. Um, we're on a different journey than most teams. 
but like since we came in uh, we played Sligo Offaly uh, and then the two league games Waterford and Wexford and we have performed in the four of them yeah. now granted we were a bit sloppy today uh, I know that we gave away a cheap ball that we normally don't uh, and we work hard on that but I think that was to do with five new lads coming in but we're in a great place um, the dressing room is buzzing and rightly so uh, and we just roll on two weeks time we can't wait for it and Niall before I let you go while the panel is brilliant the extended panel is brilliant and all the young guys you've brought in and the experience and I'm talking to John Murphys and Don Roots and these guys uh, for Ross Dunphy a foot injury rumours he could be out for a while can you confirm that? No um, them rumours are wrong right, no, That's good that's good that's good uh, Carol Ovin's all over the world are delighted to hear that uh, No Ross quality player um, No Ross we, we had him up um, at a specialist in Dublin and uh, in fairness to to Gary or physio he nailed that got, got him in straight away for a, an MRI because the injury has um, it's just in his foot and we were afraid that if it's uh, an injury that could cause him long term damage right. so we had to get the MRI scan uh, he's happy enough with it he's, he has a boot on he's walking with it uh, he did a gym session here this morning um, the consultant said that he'd be happy enough that he'd be okay um, and um, he's just doing the MRI for just to I suppose just to make sure everything is okay um, so I'd be expecting Ross to be back training uh, by Thursday. Well, that's excellent. Yeah. That's great news. Well, listen, well done tonight. I think no you've covered everything there. It was a great performance and well done to the management team and the great work you're doing off the field as well. And uh, since you've come in in a short spell of time, well, doing quite well. So long may it continue for you. Thanks, Brendan. Best of luck in the, the Barrowside Challenge there. I, I, I reckon um, that you're going to top the group there in the last <laughs> in the last couple run. of days. Yeah, I reckon you will. <laughs> Thanks, Fred. Thanks a million. Thanks a million. <laughs> Thank you. That was Niall Carew after Carlo's victory against Wexford. Next up, it's Kilkenny Camogies, Brian Dowlin and Pat O'Neill. Brian Dowlin, senior manager, 421 to 8 points victory over Offaly on their home turf. You must be a happy man leaving board today. Uh, yeah, look, you'd be happy. Martin, all right, you know, performance was very good today. Um, the attitude of the girls was excellent, you know. In fairness, it always is with these girls. Um, you know, every time you put on a Kenny jersey to give it everything to have. Um, no, look, we didn't, I suppose, panic too much because after the Dublin performance, it was our first 60 minutes that we'd got into the girls all year. You know, we, we were careful, careful in training not to ramp things up too quick and get a lot of injuries. So, you know, it's just good to, to get back again today. We had a two-week break and we stepped it up big time in training. And look, the performance today was excellent. And you know, there's a lot of things we can work on as well. But I suppose any day you score 421, you'd be more than happy. But look, again, it's just about building on it now for the future again. He definitely stepped it up all right. Four sixteen from play. Not a bad old tally out of four twenty one either. Yeah, like look, I think against Dublin we suppose looking back on it, we probably overused the ball too much out the pitch and we just wanted a bit more directness into the girl you know, get inside to the, the danger zone with Mary and Aoife, you know, the Denise Gall and whoever's in there, it's you know, there that's where the damage is done and we probably felt we overused the ball the last day. So no, we worked on that and that's what these games are for is to look at where maybe things aren't going well and, and to improve on it for the next day and look at how that the girls did that today and you know, delighted with the subs coming on as well. You know, everyone's disappointed not to start, but they, they pushed on, and you know, we've got a couple of points from the, from the bench as well. And that's that's what we need. You know, if you want to win things, you have to have a players pushing the, the starting fifteen. And you know, the girls know that if they're performing in training, they'll get a chance. And if they get a chance, they have to take it. You know, as Evan on you just alluded to that in commentary, you must have some headache because even the girls that come on today, the four substitutes, all got on the score sheet as well. They're giving you a nice headache for the next day for the knockout stage as well. Yeah, look, it's, 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 it is. It's tough. Like you know, it's probably the, the hardest part of the job. I hate doing it. You know, having to tell girls that they're 
they're they're not starting and stuff like that. But look, it's it's a good place to be. It's, it's it'd be worse if you had only had nine or ten and you're trying to fill in the other five places. Like you know, we have girls there pushing on, and there's girls that started last year are not starting this year. And you know, it's, it's the way they're playing and training. There's other girls performing better at the moment. And look, it's a long year. The girls know that if they get a chance. You know, if they're playing well, they get a chance. And that happened last year. Mary O'Connell didn't start any league games. Lydia Fitzpatrick didn't start any league games. You know, they 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 started championship games last year. So, you know, it's 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 about building our panel. That's what we want. And you know, in fairness to the girls, they a lot of them stepped up today. Yeah, you mentioned Mary O'Connell, six points from play, fantastic achievement for herself, getting the start and really putting her hand up for a place in the next round as well. Yeah, look, Mary's excellent. Um, I suppose that she really benefited last year from from the club. Um, you know, going first, she was just super in the club for Clara last year. You know, I was very impressed with her, and when she came back into it, she had a bit of air of confidence about her. And you know, I suppose last year she was kind of looking over her shoulder. Maybe she wasn't finishing out the sixty minutes, but you know, I've kind of said this to Mary this year. You know, it's time to push on now. She has to be one of the main forwards. Um, you know, and the last day against Dublin, she. You know, she missed two weeks training. She was a close contact, so she was she wasn't involved in the panel for ten days. So, you know, it was we really, you know it was great to get her back and get her sixty minutes into the legs today. And look, she can hurl, she can catch the ball, she can strike, she can score. And you know, her movement is excellent. It's just getting that belief into her. And hopefully today now will be key to to Mary pushing on for the rest of the year. Forwards were excellent as well. Scored four fantastic goals, especially Katie Nolan's volley there when she came on as well. But she could have had six, seven, eight goals today. You must be pleased with the amount of chances, especially the goal chances he made. Yeah, look, that's I suppose that's one thing we looked at um, really before this game is trying to create the goal chances. Um, look, we could have got Eva Dyle hit a rasper off the post, but look again, she could have went in a bit closer maybe, and that's something to work on for the next days. Look again, in the big games, you know, you'll probably get two or three chances and you just have to be ruthless, like, and you have to take them chances, you know, because at the end of the day, that's the difference you win and lose. And you go back to the Cork game last year, you know, the two goals was the difference, you know, we weren't really tipping the ball over the bar enough against Cork, but the two goals, we need something to hold on to. So, look, we have to create goal chances, we have to go for it. And, you know, it was great to see four goals going in and we could easily add another three or four, but, you know, that's something to work on now for next day. Guaranteed a quarter-final spot, whatever way happens. We know that the draw was done. We haven't been privy to any of that yet, so we don't know whether we're out in the semi-final or the quarter-final. But one way, you must be happy just to get another game under your belt. And even at that, you might be happy enough with a quarter-final. Yeah, I don't mind, to be honest. Uh, I just want to find out soon enough. I'll be happy so we can plan the next week or two. So, no, I don't mind if we get another game next against so great. You know, it's a good chance to... Get, you know, get more sixty minutes into the girls, so we don't mind. Look, we're supposed it's all about performing well, you know, and, and the result takes care of itself. So look, we're just kind of taking what I know it's a cliche, it's a boring cliche, but it is one game at a time where you know we're looking at different things. We probably train hard on a Tuesday night, and we roll it back in on a Thursday, and either have a training match or a match on a Saturday. So you know, it's again getting the girls up to speed and we'll ramp it up again then big time when it gets to the championship hurling. You had a lot of positives today. I suppose the two negatives, the two injuries, Miriam Welch and Colette. Any news on them at the moment? Oh, yeah, I don't think it's that serious. I said to the girls, I think it's this old age, Martin, to be honest with you. you know? <laughs> um, they'll kill me for saying that. I know, look, Colette just felt a, a little twinge in her hamstring, not in serious. And Miriam just got a dead leg. So, look, I suppose when, you, when it's, it's a league game and you had a few points to spare, there's no point in taking any chances, so we, we took him out straight away. Um, Nicola, our physio, told me to take her out, and I do what Nicola tells me, or I'll be in big trouble. So, no, look, there's no point in taking chances, um, and we have girls on the sideline who are only itching to get in, so it's a good opportunity to get them girls in, as, get them as many minutes as well. Perfect. Well, in the glorious sunshine that we had here in Bourne, nice to see it. We wish you all the best of luck in the next round, Brian. Yeah, thanks, Martin. We're here in St. Brendan's Park in Burr just after Kilkenny defeating Offaly in round two of the Little Woods Ireland League. Pat O'Neill, good result today? 
Yeah, we're absolutely delighted with it. We, we had a, a training match this morning with our intermediates, our core intermediates, and our senior panelists, and that went very well this morning. And then we brought a small group up today, about 21, 22, and we tried to get them all to run. Very happy with that. We were very disappointed after the Dublin game. We, just, we were disappointed with the pace of it and that. But today, just the, the pace was totally different, and uh, they went for the juggler. So we're absolutely delighted with it. Too. Yeah, and you could see, I suppose, in the girls today, they were a hell of a lot more ruthless than they were against Dublin, and even the scoreline reflected that. And um, Great to see a lot of new girls coming in. Steffi had a good game. Michaela Keneally was outstanding. Mary O'Connor with five points from play. Um, is that something, I suppose, you're instilling into the girls in the... Is that something that you're instilling into the girls, I suppose, on the training field, the ruthlessness and the rawness they have to bring to games? Yeah, and, and in fairness to Brian and Tommy, they're saying it the whole time, we need to find two or three new girls this year. And after today, they're putting their hands yeah. up. We played Wexford in a challenge match last Saturday, and Wexford gave us a good lesson. It was a great learning curve for management and the players. And then we had a great training session Tuesday night. And in fairness, we brought in the four or five girls there today, and they put their hands. So we, we've a lot of competition. We've 13 girls at home that couldn't come up today, so they're mad to go back Tuesday night. We had a brilliant training session Tuesday night, so I think that was the trick. The Wexford match and the training Tuesday night was very good. So. I think the pace is good at the moment, so hopefully down the road we'll, we'll be improving the whole time. Good, and I suppose Aoife Prendergast as well, she, I suppose she's kind of been the shining light for the intermediates the last two games, and she's obviously shown that, and Brian has obviously seen that, and he's bringing her up here, and that's, you know, that's a welcome bonus for her. Yeah, and I, as you know, I, I'm obviously involved with the, the two groups, the intermediates and the seniors, and in fairness to Aoife, any time she came back to the intermediate training, has been brilliant, the two matches she's been brilliant, and in training she's been brilliant, and today now she came in for about 10 or 15 minutes and she was great and she got her score and the whole lot and she's a great leader in fairness, she's a great leader for Dixborough and she turned out to be a great leader for us as well. Yeah exactly and I suppose Pat, what do, uh, what do you bring to the senior setup? We know that you have your bit of ruthlessness and your rawness and you know I suppose you've got a good character behind you as well. You know I suppose what's the difference between this and the club scene? Uh, the club scene obviously Gorn with me club and I love the club and and the whole lot, but I suppose I, I, I try and bring a bit of crack into it and not take it too serious. But there will be a ruthless side to, to, to the management team. Uh, we won the All Ireland last year, we were just mad to win an All Ireland. So we need to enjoy it as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? If the girls have a have a few pints in nature, just look to them. I hope it goes well for them. Okay. Have a bit of crack, so. <laughs> Thanks very much, Pat. For Kenny with a resounding victory over Offaly, you heard from Brian Dowlin and Pat O'Neill. Next up, Porrick Almond before he hits the turf at Wembley. A great story from Carlo to Wembley. Carlo's own Parik Almond is going to be in a playoff final with Wellside New Pork County. They're taking on Morecambe, who defeated Tramere. And I'm delighted to be joined on the line now by Mr. Parik Almond. Parik, first of all, thanks for taking time out of what is no doubt a hectic, busy schedule leading up to the playoff final. No problem at all, Jen. Thanks for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure. Like I suppose over the past few years we can talk about the FA Cup run, but no doubt getting to go out onto that turf in Wembley is is a huge occasion. Yeah, it is. Look, it, it, there's no getting away from that. It's it's brilliant to be playing in a in a playoff final like this. Um suppose that we have the advantage of being here before, so you know, the occasion we've already had it one like this, so it's not like we're going there to be overawed by Wembley or anything like that. So you know, I think we went through it the other day with the squad, and I think there's only one or two lads who haven't played at Wembley before, which is brilliant for us. Um, so we can really look forward to it, and hopefully we can get a good result and get promoted. 
Yeah, I was trying to wrap my head around. I was looking at the damage United last night, and it was going on about Brian Clough's time at Leeds and that uh, cha- com- charity shield or community shield, whatever it was called, against Liverpool. And I was looking at the stadium, and this is when the Twin Towers would have been there. Now they have the arch, and just knowing the history that's been played out on that pitch, the '68 European Cup final with Manchester United winning it, obviously the World Cup in '66. It's just for for someone from Carlo, it's and. People, considering we have Carlo and Kilkenny and we have young people coming through that are looking to play football, it's just a huge thing to be able to point to and say, look, someone from Carlo is out there on that pitch again. Yeah, look, there is a lot of history there. Um, you know, it's, it's the stadium. When I was growing up, I used to watch the FA Cup final all the time. It was probably one of the only games that was on terrestrial TV. Um, and you, you had to build up all day to it and it was brilliant. And the pitch just looked massive. Um the whole stadium was was amazing, and you know I've been really really lucky in my career, especially the last six years. I've been six times there, um, you know. So there's not many people that get that opportunity. So it's a great stadium to be in, but it's only a great stadium to be in when you're playing when you win, because it's a horrible place when you lose. Yeah, I can certainly imagine, but. No doubt there's going to be huge, huge uh, belief within the squad, especially since fans are in somewhat allowed return. Now, you won't be able to fill out the stadium, but no doubt even having them for the semi-final against Forest Green was a huge, huge boost at Rodney Parade. Oh, completely. Look, it was it was a massive, massive boost. Um, you know, it's been a, been a long, long, hard season without fans. Um, it's been very difficult. Look, for football players, it's been easy for us because, you know, we've been able to go about our... our day jobs pretty much with no issues and obviously we were doing COVID tests all the time but for fans who you know their their whole routine of a week was you know built up to a Saturday at three o'clock and they'd all have the same routine on a Saturday going to the pub beforehand and meeting up with friends and family or meeting up with uh, people that met through football and they have not had that this year and, and that's, that's been the hardest thing for a lot of those fans. Um, so when they got a chance to go to Rodney Parade last week, you know the night they met was brilliant. Um, there was nine hundred in there. It sounded like there was nine thousand of them there. And I know there's only going to be four and a half thousand there on on Sunday from from our fans. But the noise they do make is something special. So you know we'll we'll have that you know, obviously back at us, and, and hopefully we can send those people home happy, and they can celebrate and look forward to next season being a League One football club. And speaking of hardship, like the fans of Newport County are no doubt not accustomed to it considering the, the, the bankruptcy back in the late 80s and just seeing how the club has progressed since then is obviously given such such good kind of heart to any club that wants to get back into it and looking at the likes of, say, Wimbledon and stuff like that. Just seeing the ascendancy over the past few years has been a joy to behold. How much... Since Michael Flynn took over, how much has been down to his management in that? Yeah, look, I think when he took over, there were 12 points off safety um, with about or seven points off safety with 12 games left, whatever it was, something something that they were they were dead and buried. And they don't, they had the great escape, um, which came down to Mark O'Brien scoring in the last minute, um, which at the time, unfortunately for me, relegated me, but... Things worked out okay, but one of the first things when when people jo- joined the football club, the you know the, 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 there's people in the club who tell them about the history of the club. Um, they let them know what what you know hardship they have been through if they don't know that already. So they know what they're coming into. They're coming into a football club where everyone fights for each other and everyone leaves everything on the pitch. Um, 
And when you do that, you know, the supporters, that's all they ever ask. They don't ask, you know, not too much or anything like that. They're not saying you need to win trophies every year. But as long as everyone, you know, gives everything they have, they're happy with that. And I think over the last few years, especially obviously since the, the manager's taken over, the players that he has signed have all been, you know, of similar, similar, like obviously good ability, but similar traits that they're never say die players. And that's probably gone a long way to, to I suppose, having the, the success we have had in those four and a half years. And you kind of mentioned history there. The side that you're up against is someone that you have history with. Morecambe, you spent, what, two, three seasons there. Is that... Is that going to be a strange sensation? I know that you're all for Newport County and obviously you've played with Hartypool before and ended up getting relegated and would have come up against Newport County, but this is kind of a different animal now altogether. You're both vying to, for the betterment of the club and something that will go down in history. Going against an old club, does that add something to it for you or is it a bit of a, more of a strange experience because of it? Uh, don't need, I don't think so, to be honest Not for me, for... For, I'm sure you've got Kevin Ellison who was there for nine years so it's a lot bigger occasion I suppose with history for, for Charles um, you know I was I was walking for two years and they released me after my second year and you know that was obviously disappointing but I bounced back really well from that I feel and, and proved that they made the wrong decision and you know there's no there's no like I'm not going into because the there's not there's not many players left from when I was there or staff or anything like that. So it's not like you're going, I want to prove this person wrong or prove that person wrong. It's absolutely nothing to do with that. Um, it's just another game for us and for me. And so it's just a game that I just want to win. Um, you know, simple as that. It doesn't matter whether it's it was Morecambe or whether it was Grimsby or Hartlepool, whoever any of my old clubs. You know, you play against them twice during the year anyway. So it's not like. It's a, a and and the first time I'm coming up against them. I think I've played against them ten or eleven times since I've left them. So I'm kind of used to it now. I was there for two years and and kind of that's where they finally left. Like obviously the club was good to me when I was there and good to my family when they came over for games and all that. But I think all that goes out the window when <laughs> the the whistle blows at three o'clock tomorrow. And you mentioned Kevin Ellison there. He became the oldest goal scorer in this format at the age of 42 in the semi-final against Forest Green Rovers that goal in itself was a joy to behold but the whole the whole semi-finals the way it played out it was a remarkable 5-4 victory on aggregate was there ever any doubt in your head at any stage as Forest Green Rovers start to kind of it looked like they were in the ascendancy and then there was something in the Newport side that you were able to kind of dig deep into and salvage the win and get to the playoff final Oh Jesus! We were, we were tuning down after seven minutes, and you're thinking, "Oh my God, we've we've messed this up." And all it came from was one mistake, and then one mistake led to another, and that that was it. And it's it's the type of thing we've looked back on, and we see out the first ten ten minutes of the game. I think it's a completely different game. It probably isn't one of the most exciting ones that you would have seen. Like obviously, it was an unbelievable game, but if we see out the first ten minutes, it's a completely different game, in my opinion. And look, it's it's just just one of those things that that game the third goal goes in you think it's dead and buried then we score again we score two and we, we're winning and you think we've done it and all of a sudden Jana scores for for, um, for a screen late on and you know, we're back to oh we're going to go we're, this is going to end up with penalties and you're, you're just thinking this this is where it's going to end up and you know no one wants penalties especially after the game that had been and then obviously Nicky Maynard popped up in the last minute once when it happened I think everyone on the pitch knew it was over and done with them because 
emotions everyone had been through. Forest Green had been, you know, they almost had it won and then they lost it and, and clawed it back again and there was no way they were going to do it again. But I'd say for the neutral, it was probably an unbelievable game to watch, but it was horrible to be involved in and be honest with you. I can imagine, especially as well with Newport fans and players, you know, it came down to the last day of the season, the likes of Exeter were looking to snatch a playoff place as well. Ultimately, a draw with Southend was sufficient to book your place in, in, in the semi-final in itself and then you had what happened in the semi-final coming up to the final, which no doubt... I don't know, from from a layman's terms, there would be huge pressure there. For a fan, it's huge pressure. But as a professional, do you feel that pressure or is it ultimately just part of the game? Um, I don't think we, we ever felt the pressure. I think the, the beauty we had for the last kind of seven, eight games was it was always in our hands. Um, when when you lose control of things, that's when you get nervous because you have to look at other results and you have to see what happens in, in other games. When when it's in your own hands, you win. You don't even have to look at the league tables. We've done that for the last kind of five six games. We used to win games, come in, and someone someone from the outside would say, "Oh, we're in X position," and we wouldn't even look at it because you know we're not going to drop a place after we win. Realistically, um, no one's going to make ground on us. So we just keep doing our job, um, and that's how we do it. The norms kind of would only kind of kick in if if you're suppose you're. Like a couple of years ago, when we made the playoffs, we're one 0 down away to Morecambe. Funny enough, in the last game of the season, and then we need other results to go away, and then all of a sudden we score, but we still need results to go away, and that's when nerves kick in. But this time round, it was it was um, even though it didn't seem a little bit smoother on the last day, but it, it was quite. I think the result didn't even matter on the last day in the end. So um, it's just obviously the semi final then, which was which was, was brilliant for for neutrals to watch and. The disappointment we had with the semi-final was we were supposed to be away in the second or a home in the second leg, but we had to switch it because the ground was being relayed, so it's ready for the new season. So we lost what we would have had at extra time having our fans there, and um, you know that was the disappointment for us. But then again, I suppose you never know what would have happened in the first leg. So we're just we're just happy to be where we are, and we'll see what happens tomorrow. Yeah, fingers crossed. Exile fans will be happy. I'm sure there's a massive buzz around the place at the moment. And just before we let you off, as we know you're incredibly busy, hopefully we'll be able to catch up with you once you're celebrating getting into League One. But as someone who has rich history scoring in cup competitions, and that's what the playoff final is, it is a cup, and a lot of is made out in terms of visualisation. Is it something that you visualise yourself and you're going, right, I'm going to score at Wembley. This is what is happening. And ultimately then you get to get to perform that and get to do that and you'll have the elation of that. But are, is this something that you're visualising you have in your head that a goal is coming from you? Yeah, completely. Look, I think everyone, every player does the exact same coming into games. You always you know, think good things that can happen. Um, you hope that you're going to be the one that's supposed to score the winner. But at the end of the day, and I've always said this, I would happily take not being, not kicking a football on the pitch if it means we get promoted. Um, because there's a bigger picture. Um, it's not about me scoring. It's not about someone else scoring. It's just about winning. That's it. Um, we've been here before. We've, we've been in the playoff final. And, and you know, the occasion didn't get to us or anything like that. But we didn't play as good as we could have played that day. Um, you know, and, and that's it. We just turn, we, we turn up tomorrow. We do our, do our job on the pitch. And it doesn't matter who scores, whether it's the goalkeeper who scores or whether it's one of the subs who comes off the bench and hits him in the backside and goes in. As long as we win, that's all, that's the only thing that matters. But we'll, in, in saying that, we'll still all be doing the, 
same kind of visualisation hopefully just to get the winner yeah, well, fingers crossed for you, Parik, and hopefully we'll be able to catch up with you again once you're celebrating. But yeah, the promotion playoffs to get to League One, Markham versus Newport County. We're cheering you on here down at KCLR. I'm sure everyone, not just around Carlow, but around Ireland, are looking at it because we always support our own. We wish you nothing but the best, and hopefully you'll be able to be celebrating come the end of Monday. Thanks very much, and hopefully I'll be able to speak to you next week. You've been in a League One player. <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> Hopefully by the time you're listening to this, Newport County will be promoted and us here in Carlow and Kilkenny can celebrate. Best luck to Parik Almond. Eddie Scally's up next, the Goran Park race manager. Unfortunate news this week in that the fixture on Wednesday was not... uh, deemed fit to go ahead due to the weather but it has been rearranged Yeah Shane um, as you rightly point out unfortunately we lost uh, Wednesday's fixture um, it's it's just been you know it's been a really tough time and in fairness to the lads out on the track they're all you know they're doing everything they can but we were only looking at it on Wednesday morning it was Tuesday morning we went in and had a look and we thought right if we got a good dry day Tuesday we have a chance and it was it was, a, it was a really nice day on Tuesday and even Wednesday was a nice day but it still hadn't dried back sufficiently for flat racing because you know they need a, a really sound surface for flat racing horses they're just going they're going so fast so unfortunately because of a couple of patches on the track we just said it wasn't it wasn't safe or as safe as we'd 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 we'd, we'd like it to be in Goran so we asked for HRI to uh, agree to rearrange in the fixture so they've kindly given us the 14th of June so we're going to make that a two-day meeting we're racing on Sunday the 13th already and now this fixture slots into Monday the 14th so it just becomes a two-day fixture but Anyone that's been looking out the window for the last four weeks, um, the rainfall has just been relentless. Um, and we did, we actually just done our full survey on it ourselves just to see where we were standing with rain. And in May 2020, when we were all in lockdown, for the total month of May, we got 12.9 millimetres of rain. And up to yesterday in Goran Park, we were up to 151 millimetres of rain for the same time frame. So it's just... You know, you can't, you can't beat that. Like, it's just impossible. But hopefully, as I was saying to you off air a few minutes ago, hopefully we're running our lane and it's a heat wave from now on to the end of September, maybe. Fingers crossed. You also said they're probably running out of <coughs> rain now at this stage for the clouds. But you've experienced this before. Connie Redmond's chase day needed to be pushed back last February. Knowing how, when the horse racing industry came back, it was felt like a very congested fixture list and that they were just trying to get all the tracks back up and running and there was a really good solid list of fixtures every single day. What does this mean for the likes of owners who might have pinpointed this race for a, a, a certain horse and now it's been pushed back again? Did it have any effects on Connolly Redmill's chase day and is it going to have any effects for this rescheduled day? Yeah, I think in the in the Connolly's Red Mills day it would have like Jason the Militant was the, the prime example he was entered in the Connolly's Red Mills hurdle and we had to actually moved that fixture that race itself to um, I think it was Fairy House took the fixture yeah. in the end they, they ran the Red Mills hurdle for us which was very good of them but that was because you wanted to give Jason the Militant the opportunity to run in that race and any other horse that was going to go for the champion hurdle in Cheltenham because they'd need a kind of five six week break between races so in that scenario it would hurt but in this case with the flat racing program the, the type of fixture it was and the type of races it was it's not going to duly affect it they'll find another race for them horses in in next week say and also by the time our fixture comes around there'll be another glut of horses ready to come in so what the planning office will do is they'll adjust the program so say i was going to run four one mile two races they might have it that i'm only going to run 
two one mile two races and maybe run a seven furlong and a one mile so what they'll do is they'll structure that fixture to suit what horses need what on that date so despite we're <coughs> kind of switching up a bit there was um Bad news in, in that it was uh, called off last Wednesday. Good news in that it was rescheduled for June 14th in the afternoon. However, also other good news coming out of the horse racing industry. Yeah, it's 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 been, you know, it's a lot of positive news last night there with Michal Martin obviously making his announcement about the different rest- restrictions that are going to be lifted over the next number of months. And obviously it's great to see the hospitality sector back up and running. And I know it's outdoor dining and sure we'll be all back indoors soon as well. And I wish all of them the very best of luck getting back to work. But on the day that they all go back on June 7th there's a race meeting in Gorham Park on that day which is the bank holiday Monday and the intention on that day is it's the first day that they're going to allow owners to attend the fixtures so we'll have two owners per horse attending our fixtures under the, under the new government guidelines uh, which will allow for that so it's, it's wonderful because owners haven't been at a racetrack I think since I'm going to say last September um, you know, and they're keeping horses in training. They're paying for these horses in training. They're keeping the whole industry going. Without owners, there is no industry, and you know they're restricted to sitting at home and watching their horses on TV. So I think it's great. It's a step in the right direction. And another really big positive was the fact that they're going to be allowing some spectators to attend the Derby meeting in the Curra uh, at the end of June, which is absolutely brilliant news as well. It's it's kind of some form of normality coming back to it. So with a bit of luck, I don't know what the numbers will be yet. I would assume. A venue the size of the Curra should be comfortably able to cater for two, three, four thousand people, and it's just that'll be the first step on the block. We've raced in July in Goran Park, and I'm hopeful at that stage we'll be allowed to have some spectators back in on the track with everything going right. And fingers crossed, we'll all keep going in that direction. When you mention the owners, my mind kind of goes back to Sky Race. Is uh, Dalliance is over in Dubai with the. The, the owner sitting in a pub watching the, the horse that they spent 600 euro on just galloping to victory and it's no doubt a great great occasion for owners to be allowed back in it is when you take a horse like Sky Ace for the Shark uh, Cahal McHugh and the lads there they're all based out in Saudi Arabia or Dubai or Abu Dhabi out, they're out there in the Middle East somewhere but you know in a normal year them boys would have been over for Cheltenham they would have been back over for Punchestown they would have been at Fairy House and it's 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 like anyone that's ever been to a live All Ireland final or a live soccer match. You know, nothing beats being there. And you, you know, you take that away from people. I seen it this year, the Tiestes Chase Day at Goran Park, Redmills Day. You know, you get big winners on the day, and it's you know we're we're we're, we're giving guards of honour like the lads out there, and we're clapping back in the winners. But it's just the buzz isn't the same. And I'm sure if you got to speak to any of the hurlers that played in the All Ireland final, yeah, it's great. You get to play in an All Ireland final, you get to win. But when you win, you want to be able to soak up the atmosphere get that buzz off the crowd and I know it's only going to be a couple of hundred people but you know isn't it great and it's look it, it's where we are as a friend of mine said to me we won't know ourselves it'll be like back in 2019 <laughs> <laughs> well your mind cast back then to Tom Foley and Denoli then as well and just the, the, the great stuff that came off the back of him just being there so no doubt great news for the horse racing industry and when is the comeback happening then is there yeah, it's it's literally step one is going to be Goran Park on 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 Monday June seventh. Um, that's that's the very first day that anyone's going to be let inside the track other than the industry workers. So that's going to be owners only, and then the Derby weekend, which is the last weekend in June, is going to be the first start of footfall of customers going back in. And I'd say it'll be phased up, and everyone will be keeping a sneaky eye on Galway at the end of end of July, start of August, in the hope that we can get as many as possible in there and, and, and hopefully have the crack again. Yeah, certainly. And you'll have the crack on the Clash Act podcast, Casey. 
Steelers GEA podcast. Brian Hogan was your most recent interviewee, but you've talked to the likes of Dan Shanahan, Niall Carew, Katie Power, Katie Nolan, all recent guests. Having a good bit of fun on that, I'd say. Yeah, like it's like I said it to you. Like I, I'm so thankful to you personally, Shane, for for getting me the opportunity to go and do it. And but it's 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 just you know for me personally as a massive GEA fan, it's it's absolutely it's heaven really. You know, I mean like couple of weeks back interviewing Dan Shannon and you're just buzzing off it because you know I remember if he knew the abuse I was firing at him from the stands when he was playing it's like you know and at the same time you know you get to meet people like like Brian Hogan Paul Murphy and even Katie Power Katie Nolan like I have so much admiration and respect for 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 them people and then they're so open with us like they really they really let us have a big deep dive into their own careers and if you think back when when you dreamt up the whole Clash Act podcast and said let's do it when we started initially it was kind of myself yourself and Taggy uh, tapping away together and, and and it was good fun and it was me and Taggy really just shooting the breeze but when when Taggy went for for greener pastures it was you that suggested to me that you know we'll do while the season's closed is let's do a deep dive into some people's careers and you know it's it's I, I don't know my eyes have been like I always knew how hard these guys work and, and, and ladies work but my eyes are after been open something else I mean talking to somebody like Kevin Walsh it was infectious listening to him he eats sleeps and drinks GEA and analyzes it <coughs> pardon me so much in, in what he does but then you talk to somebody like Paul Murphy or Brian Hogan or Denise Gall or Katie Power like they're just so laid back chatting to you it's 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 all it's all great fun and then when they actually explain to you what they've done it's it's I don't know it's it's just brilliant I just I, I just love it like I, I, I can't get enough of it now yeah I love the like even the small individual stories that you hear well I wouldn't even say small but Brian Hogan going up against his brother in the county finals and stuff that you're, it was always on your consciousness but you don't exactly remember but everyone has their own personal story and everyone's been through a lot whether it be inter-county players gunning for All-Irelands or people losing out on All-Irelands you know it's just a, a chap clear talking about his inter-county career and how it ended it's it, it's great to hear all these personal stories and you're getting to bring it out of them and you're doing a lot of research yourself so we're looking forward to the next one whoever it may be you're very coy with uh, your, your selections and normally when it gets released that's when people know who's going to be the next guest on the podcast yeah, unfortunately, that's the way it has to work. You know, our, our advisors have warned us about uh, giving out any information that if people want to know who the guest is, they have to download the the app wherever they listen to their um, wherever they listen to their podcasts on Spotify or on KCLR, and they download it. And but as as you rightly say, the guests have been just wonderful, and I can assure you, the next three or four guests that we've coming for you are going to be great crack as well and a lot of fun. Well, looking forward to it. Despite the negative news of Goran having to postpone the race meeting, it's going ahead now on June 14th. Owners are going to be allowed in from the 7th of June as well. You have just an unfathomably busy schedule as well because you're looking after Wexford. There was a bit of that was a bit up in the air last week in, in terms of uh, the rain kind of not allowing that to get over the hurdle. Uh, but yeah, going to have a busy weekend or busy year in horse racing. Looking forward to it, Eddie. No, exactly, Shane. My new nickname actually in racing is Dark Cloud. So, <laughs> Paddy Graff and Chris didn't be that last week. So, I hope that passes to sunshine soon. Well, no, you're always the stallion in my books. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, Shane.
That was the stallion, Eddie Scally, talking about Gorham Park and a bit about the Clash Act as well. If you haven't heard the Clash Act, it's Casey Law's GEA podcast offering here. Go have a listen. Some great interviews and deep dives into the careers of Kilkenny legends like PJ Ryan, Brian Hogan, Richie Power. Also, we'll be talking to lads from Offaly, like Michael Dignan, and lads from Galway, like Eugene Clunan. So lots still to come. Why not subscribe to that? Finally, this is Kevin Hennessy on the Kilkenny Champion Unrest at the Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium. What a final it was! We knew we knew it would be good, and it, it looked like at the second bend or in between the first two bends, like we were going to get the matchup we we craved. Serena plum draw in one, a vacant box in two. Grangeview Mac in trap three. Serena definitely broke the quicker. Grangeview Mac just didn't get away as fluent as he had done in previous round. And once the son of Scalari, my daddy Serena, led to the bend with Grangeview Mac on his tail, it really looked like we were going to set down for a massive duel and unfortunately Grangeview Max slightly got tangled with Rupees yes between the opening two bends and never really regained his momentum until he straightened up into the back straight and all the while while that was going on Serena Edmund Ryan's runner uh, Marco Donovan the trainer who's literally been on fire recently he won he won the, the select stakes in Waterford he won the big stake in Cork last week he's just been incredibly Good Richard vein of form at the moment. Serena is led down the back straight, opened up by five or six lengths after the bumping between Grangeview Mac and Droopies. Yes, it was never in doubt from there on. He passed the line in 28.98, collecting the €10,000 prize. Grangeview Mac did finish back in second, four lengths behind after that trouble. Droopies, yes, staying on as well for third. But it promised to be a cracker. It was a cracker. Serena is, Grangeview Mac, Droopies, yes. Remember the names. We'll be hearing about them plenty over the next 12 months. And that's what I want to say. Like, what does this mean? With the exception of the huge prize money that was on offer, what does this mean then for for a greyhound going forward? Is there going to be expectations now on the owners or is there a particular tournament in sight now for them where they would go? Yeah, well, you would imagine the winner, Serena, he's a September 19. Um, Grangeview Mac, the same. He could be in October. I'm not sure whether it's September or October, but the Puppy Derby will be on in September. Now, it's it's quite a bit away, but you would imagine those two dogs will be targeting that. It, it, it's for September puppies. They're the, the right age. You'd imagine they'll probably get a little bit of a break now, having it been just their first competition. And you may see them having a couple of races in Shelburne just to get familiarised with Shelburne. But I would imagine... Um, definitely Serena Ace and Grangeview Mac will both be earmarked to go to the Puppy Derby in September in Shelburne Park. A big, huge event. But the prestige that goes with the champion unraced in Kilkenny, I can't emphasise it enough. It's one of the biggest and best unraced competitions on the calendar year. Everybody targets it. Everybody looks at it. And people will, will be speaking about the winners of this for years to come. So it, it, it's a brilliant event to win. Not only do you get that 10,000 euros, but of course you get the, the credit that goes with it. We also had the semi-finals of the Kilkenny Greyhound Owners and Breeders A2 semi-finals. The first semi-final was won by Greg's Jack in a nice time as well, 29-11. Just getting up on the line to, to, to snag Carlo Mack by the shortest of margin. The winning margin there was a short head. Uh, trained Greg Shack is actually trained by Murky Lahey. He's owned by Jim Morrissey and Larry O'Shea. Full of hope was back in third, but uh, Carlo Mack, you'd have to feel for him. He led every yard and was literally just pipped on the line. The second semi final, that was won by Deadly Samurai for Gary Hannon and Carl Ramsbottom. Uh, this very talented sort, once he gets on the bunny, he's, he's a very hard dog to beat. He wasn't the most fluent away from the boxes, but he made the bend and once in front, it was never in doubt. Crossing the line in 29 12, just one spot off. 
the opening semi-final. We did have John Mackey's file, Julie, who we flagged up last week. She she was a real eye-catcher back in second because she, she didn't break particularly well and, and she just seemed to get a little bit tangled up in the opening two bends. With, went straight into the back stretch. She could have been six or seven behind the leader. She was beaten four crossing the line and if file, Julie, uh, could start a little bit quicker, John Mackey could be in for a big, big chance in the final um, uh, next Friday night. Danska Jess was uh, was back in th- in third in that. So the final of that is on next Friday night. The draw has been made. Deadly Samurai likely to go off favourite. He's drawn one. Carlo Mackin two. Greg's Jack three. Foyle Julie four. Full of Hope five. And Danska Jet in six. And just also say that um, next Friday night we have the start of the SAS N2, N3 on race. Another really nice on race competition starting to Kenny next Friday night. Uh, 2,700 euros to the winner there and there'll be some real nice puppies in there in that as well. We might have one ourselves going into it so I'm hoping, crossing the fingers, that he can he can perform well and some rumours I'm hearing on the grapevine is that there's some nice pups doing some flashy trials in there that are coming from far and wide so keep your eyes peeled Uncle Kenny next Friday night. There could be some really nice prospects running. Talking about far and wide, let's dip across to the Irish Sea. I know that the derby has been drawn as we speak. Uh, we'll probably go into that a lot more in depth tomorrow at your normal time of 20 past two. But uh, we have a bit of a surprise as well in in regards of what we can be doing with this derby going forward. Yeah, we can. Um, Boyle Sports, uh, I'm obviously an employee by Boyle Sports. And they, I, I, I spoke to the heads and they kindly offered us both a, a hundred euro free bet um, on the English Greyhound Derby. And we can do that. We can split that on to 50 euros each way or 100 euros on the nose and, and any winnings can go to whichever charity we select. So we let the draw happen today. It's, it's currently on goal as we're speaking now. Uh, we let the draw happen so we might get a little bit more of an advantage looking at the draw tomorrow and, and we can both pick our selections. But um, there's a huge uh, Irish challenge going over. 41 runners in total from Ireland will go into the draw tonight so or into the draw today. So it promises to be a cracker. And anyone that is interested in looking at the Greyhounds tonight, talking dogs, TV is on tonight at seven o'clock, and what a cat, what a program it is going to be. We have the second round heats of the uh, Sporting Press online edition, um, Irish Oaks, and some of the eye catchers in there. Billy's Diva for the Kennedys and Erlingford. She runs in heat two. She's a short price at four to seven. Bally McBeanie, she goes in heat four. She'll be very, very short indeed. And we also have the semi-finals of the Larry O'Rourke Roger Stakes in Clonmel. That's also live um, on Talking TV. Talking Dogs TV, the first semi-final goes to Trap at 7.52. Explosive by going to be a short price favourite there. In 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 the in that semi-final, we'll all be cheering on Zoom running in Trap 6. Murty Lally trains um, this one. There's 22 lads involved in the syndicate that owns them, the Club of Champions syndicate, from far and wide. Aptly named Zoom, they call them that due to all the Zoom calls we're having over COVID, of course. And then the second semi-final goes to Traps at 8.37. John Kendi, again with a big and here from Erlingford. He's got good code. He going to boxes in trap one. The fastest winner last week. He looked to make it another win on the bounce and make it through to next week's final. out on our weekend show's scoreline for more from Kevin Hennessy he generally joins us around 20 past 2 give or take a few games here and there but that's it that's our lot here on Scoreline Extra thanks for joining us you can catch us live every weekend from 2 to 6 on KCLR I've been Shane O'Keefe I'm going to go home for a nap stay safe stay sane